we didn't become entrepreneurs. We're misfits. I've said that like a million times. Like, oh yeah, we are misfits. And so why are we trying to be lemmings like everybody else when we are natural rebels and misfits? Yep. So taking what people around you are doing, your mentors, what have you, you can definitely absorb that information and use that as an inspiration or guidance or what have you. It is not the rule. It's like, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean. It's more like guidelines than real rules. Guidelines, guidelines. Welcome to Too Legitimate to Quit, instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. I am your host, Annie P. Ruggles, and my guest today is the magnificent Mel McSherry. As an entrepreneur since 2010, Mel has launched two successful businesses, become an author twice, spoken all over the U.S. and overseas and created a true life by design, all while raising a nine-year-old son. Mel has had the privilege of facilitating her prioritization workshop and sharing her steps of success in Chicago and internationally at companies and events, as well as in her book, She Profits. She has also worked privately with thousands of people, helping them get crystal clear on what they want and prioritizing the time they have so they can create the success they desire, as well as the free time to enjoy it. Mel, how the heck are you? Annie, I'm fucking fantastic. How are you? Hell yes. (laughs) And we're starting it with a bang already. Here's my question for you. Yeah. And obviously, you're raring to go. What do small business owners need to know this week? What they need to know this week is that they need to be patient. Mm. I have run into so many business owners and entrepreneurs, especially women, who are this like, go, 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 hustle, 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 martyr mindset fuckery that has never served them profitably. And my my whole shtick, as you said earlier, my whole thing is profitability mentally, emotionally, and financially. Oh, I love that. Say that again. That just makes me so happy. <laughs> profitability, what? Profitability mentally, emotionally, and financially. I got full body chills. Right? I know that's a crime junkie thing, but I'm stealing it for this episode, <laughs> crime junkie fans. I have full body chills when you say that. Keep going. Tell me more. Because it's so, we have been designed, and I'm, I'm talking from the, you know, the woman aspect, that in order to prove that we are successful or to prove our worth or to prove our value, we have to be financially secure. Mm. And that is important. I am not downplaying that whatsoever. But the order is backwards. We keep trying to pursue this productivity and to be this like six figure maker, 10K in 10 seconds. <laughs> when really we became entrepreneurs because we wanted to create a difference. Like, we yes. started with an emotional and mental connection. 
that's what got us excited. That's what like greased our wheels, like the whole nine yards. And we lose that as we continue to build our businesses because we get so inundated with this bullshit of 10K, 10 seconds, all this shit. When did that start? You know what? Like I have, I love that you brought this up because I have been really angrily adamant about this for a long time. And full disclosure, everybody, like I worked, I coached for a program, not my program, but another program that had like 10K in the title. Mm -hmm. And I've, you know, done all the stuff. I also ran my own program called the Low Ticket Revolution about not charging gobs and gobs of money. But why do you think suddenly it became very in vogue for everyone to disclose all of their earnings or have that be the focus all the time. I feel like we woke up one day and everybody started talking about how little you have to work to make all this money. Where the heck did that come from? So I, my initial reaction, as you're saying that, because I honestly have never taken a lot of time to think about where this germinates from, because then I will go down some Google ass rabbit hole that will, you know, suck the life out of me. But as you're saying that, my initial reaction is the fact that Feminism, I mean, feminism is around forever, but our, our, uh, sort of, I'm looking for, like our visibility as professional women, our, our voice as professional women has gotten stronger. And to that sense, we have become more vulnerable and more visible. However, probably the safest place to be vulnerable and to show our equalism, if that's even a word, is money. Yeah. Yeah, you can say, I, I'm a counterpart. I make as much or more as my male counterparts. Like money is, is always what people first talk about when it comes to equality between men and women is money. Mm -hmm. Like 76 cents to the dollar and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And to me, that's dulled down and is so, it's, it's important. I'm not downplaying that, but it's not allowing us to get to that next level of humanity. Mm. Like we are now just anchoring everything on money. Now we're just anchoring yep. on this sexy thing of the four day, four hour work week right. and this, you know, hustle your face off and from sun up to sundown. And this like, you know, Gary, the Grant Cardone kind of like, I call them the like, fuck yes, men. <laughs> like, yes, 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 absolutely. And we are losing ourselves within it. And I think especially because of 2020 being what it was, which was yeah. to me, the world's longest personal and professional development lesson. Huh. We had to sit with ourselves a lot and money wasn't really doing much to help us with that sitting in the shit. And so we have been, hopefully, whether you're aware of it or not, I truly believe that every single one of us has connected to a different level of ourselves. And it's probably yes. not pretty. I have ugly cried so much about weird shit because it's not pretty. It's not easy. We all have these ways to, you know, counteract that. I always say that my, my first reaction to trauma is action. Like I just, and money is the perfect mm -hmm. trip, like avenue for that to just like, no, I'm fine. Cause I'm making 10 K a month. No, I'm fine. Cause I brought in this many clients. No, I'm not because I'm also crying in a corner because 
Right. I completely. I'm also working so much to avoid the emotion underneath. At least that's what I've been exactly. doing. I mean, I think it's harder when when you are super passionate about your job when it is a label of lo- a labor of love for you when you want to change the world when you want to help others, especially for coaches like us. Like what? But yeah. then you know you sit there and you go, okay, well I'll just help more people. Okay, well I'll just make more money. Okay, well I'll just do all these things. But we're still avoiding. The fact that life as we know it has changed Mm -hmm. and changed freaking dramatically. And I want to go back to something you said there, which I thought was so profound, the idea of using money as a way to mask vulnerability. I see this all the time in teaching sales where a lot of the time a money objection is not really a money objection. Oh, it never is. It's just the easiest objection to throw out there that people won't argue. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's too expensive for me. Okay, well then I'm sorry. That's fine. All right. Okay, sorry we wasted your time. Let's mm-hmm. all move on with our lives. Mm-hmm. But I never actually thought until you just said it that we also talk about making money and how much money we make to cover the same vulnerability. Mm-hmm. That's so freaking interesting. And it's something that I I bring to the forefront a lot with my clients, especially when we make their profitable action plans. And again, mm-hmm. the profitability is for the threefolds because most of them are like, well, I know for sure I want to make 10K next month, which you should know your numbers. You should yeah. always know your numbers You because sh- the other side of the spectrum is, I just want to help people and I don't care what I charge. But then yep. you're overextended, overwhelmed and bleh. So on the, on the one end, when you have your numbers identified, that's brilliant, but let them go. They do not need to be on your goal board. They do not need to be in front of you because what you're doing now is you're dulling down your business to nothing but a number. What my next question is for them is, okay, so now that we have that number, what actually is that number going to bring to you? Because that's what you're striving for. Mm-hmm. Financial freedom. Okay, what does that mean? That means enjoying your day. That means spending your time where you want to spend it. You know, whatever they say, that should be on your goal board. That should, that's your intention. That's your true north direction. And from there, which avenues, which actions are in alignment with that intention that will bring about that money? Because it always follows may not be in the timeline that you give yourself, hence the patience, but you are creating a profitable business from day one. And the money will come. Because you're doing it deliberately. Exactly. Right? It's not spray and pray. And we've all been there. Like, there's no judgment. No, I was there the first seven years of my business. (laughs) And seven years is conservative. Good for you. But the, you know. Be honest, we'll go, we'll go with eight and a half, maybe nine. But yeah. <laughs> Somewhere between seven, between seven and, and nine. forever. Uh, but you know, it's it's so interesting that, you know, when you get out of that slapdash, bail the boat out mentality and you settle into some systems and stuff like that, it actually becomes easier to do things like ignore your math which you shouldn't be doing, like, and not knowing your number or to distilling it down to, okay, I didn't raise my profitability by 9% month over month, and therefore everything is out the window, and I have to throw everything out with the bathwater and start over. Right. But it does, you're right, profitability, true profitability, and healthy, sustainable profitability does require a hell of a lot of patience. Mm -hmm. 
And that's hard. Yeah. How could you know, yeah. Jenny, who's also an amazing coach, she calls that audacity fatigue, which I love so much Ooh. as a term. Because you you output and output and output and output and output and output. And then, you know, you got to wait. Yeah. You got to wait. You got to build the funnel. You got to write the program. You got to make the connections. You got to do all the stuff. Build the relationships. You got to get the brand awareness. Exactly. You know, and the number of impressions it takes before people buy used to be like three, and now it's like 37. Right. It's like, okay, well, cool. Now I have to wait until I'm in their inbox 37 times. Well, I can't really sit there and swipe, check the email every five seconds when it's that long of a buy cycle. Right. So how do you maintain patience when you're feeling so potentially exhausted, depleted, overwhelmed? How do you foster that? That all has to, for for me, the support that you have around you. Because you can't do this alone. And you really need to be weary, weary, leery. One of those two, or maybe both of those words work. Well, leery. We'll make it I like up. leery. Leery aware, you know, both of those, of who you're actually surrounding yourself with. And what are they actually contributing to you and your profitability? Like I had a former mentor. We worked together for two years. Financially, she made me, she helped me be very successful. I was also not happy. And I actually, I I talk about this a lot, uh, especially on my Instagram of just this journey I've been going through of really understanding how I want to run my business and own how I want to run my business. And in return, giving others the permission to run their business any goddamn way they please. Like the traditional routes is bullshit. We didn't, we didn't become entrepreneurs. We're misfits. I've said that like a million times. Like, oh yeah, we are misfits. And so why are we trying to be lemmings like everybody else when we are natural rebels and misfits? Yep. So taking what people around you are doing, your mentors, what have you, you can definitely absorb that information and use that as an inspiration or guidance or what have you. It is not the rule. It's like, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean. It's more like guidelines than real rules. Yeah. Guidelines, guidelines. It's like guidelines, but that's even that. even in my book when I'm talking about you know my profitability plan. I'm like, this is not a step by step thing. This is customizable to where you are actually suffering, what you really want to build in your business, what your energy is like, what this really looks like for you. This is all based around you, who you are, what you want, and how you want to build your business because this is your business and you have full say. Yep. Yep. I mean, that's all there is to say about that. Just absolutely. We are misfits. But you know what I love about what you're talking about with the plan and with the versatility and the, and the uniqueness of each plan? It's still a freaking plan. It is. You have and to have a plan. Also, right. And, and yet, a lot of misfits, when they jump into this, they jump in with no plan mm-hmm. other than I have my grandma's ravioli recipe. I want it to be eaten by thousands of people. Mm-hmm. Grandma says I can do this. I got a little bit of money and a little bit of time and I'm going to make this go. And then you take the leap, which I call the great lemuring, mm-hmm. right? Like into this, off this cliff, into this thing. And then you realize three-fourths of the way down, did I have a marketing plan? Mm-hmm. Do, do I have an attorney? Do I need an attorney? What? 
what am I, I have to register with the state as a what? Yeah. I have to what? And we realize very understandably, but very terrifyingly that we don't know what we don't know, mm-hmm. which really in essence means, oh, I didn't plan very well. And it's okay to not know what you don't know. And that's, that's another part of, you know, creating a profitable plan is what are your strengths? Like, what do you know? What are you already strong in? And it doesn't have to be business orientated. If you have grandma's ravioli recipe and you're like, well, I know I'm a very personable person and I can walk into a room and talk to anybody. That is brilliant. So what can we do to take that to the next level and make it business focused? Like, Mm -hmm. don't think about all the things you don't have, because that's where you get into the over investing in simple solutions that don't help you with shit. And all of a sudden you have 15 courses and no money. And you're like, but I have all these courses. You <laughs> like, you can have those courses, but be strategic in why you bought them. Like, don't just yeah. buy them because you're like, shit, I have to have a website. Shit, I have to have an Instagram. Shit, I have to have email marketing. Yeah, but not all at once. Like, uh, and that's so what I love to do. It's is- to just bury ourselves in information. But it's burrowing. One of my, one of my, one of the things I say in my book, and I've said before, is we are not here to be productive. We are here to be profitable. So what are you There's going those to do to be again. profitable? Because mm. there's a difference. Mm. You can be there productive is. as fuck, and all you're doing is procrastinating. Oh yeah, that uh, weeks ago on one of the very first episodes of this show, we talked a lot about paper shuffling and feeling busy and looking busy, but not actually getting anything done because you're not doing revenue-based stuff, right? right? And you're just kind of making stuff all move around and make the balls fly and the fireworks go off. And then you're like, right? I'm so glad that I spent all this time on Canva today. Right. Like, oh, jeez. Oh, God. Like, the what time did you do today? I researched LLC names for four hours. Um, I have been known to spend entirely too much time and money on domain names. That's kind of like a tell for my OCD flaring yeah. up. Um, my my psychiatrist thinks it's hysterical. Is like if I have bought domain names that week, there there's probably either something really good or really bad going on in my life because in either aspect, I'm like, I need a website for that. Let's <laughs> gotta see. I gotta see. I gotta get the dot com, the dot net, the dot the dot solutions, the dot network. Like, what is wrong with me? Now, I have a feeling that we could talk about. All of this profitability and productivity mm-hmm. and risk and all these things and stepping into yourself forever and always. But I also brought you here with an ulterior motive right. today, which is talking about something very near and dear to my own heart. So, Mel, I have to ask you, Ravenclaw to Ravenclaw, what the heck does anything that you just said have to do with Harry Potter? I mean, honestly, it boils down to the misfits, right? Mm. Like it boils down to you knowing that you are meant for something greater. And even though you fuck up as many times as you fuck up, you always have support. Like even Harry Potter says, like, you can brag about me all you want, but I've always had help. Like, it never was just me. I've always had And he sucks for about four solid books. Oh, he's a whiny little... 
He's Frodo levels of whiny for most of these books. And yet his support does not fail him. No, because if you notice his support group, which this is how you should build your business, his friends are strong in his not so much areas. Yeah. So he can shine in his zone of genius, which just happens to be the chosen one. And everywhere else that he sucks, his friends have got his back because that's where they can step into their zone of genius. And together, they're just like the ultimate army. And you'll see that in the books too of like everybody's getting, because of how confident, quote unquote, he is, or just because he's thrown into the shit and he, he survives, he sh- he's becoming a leader and they're following by his example of, well, if he can be his own person and be this weirdo and talk to snakes and blah, blah, maybe uh, then I'm going to step into my, and like, I'm going to fully embrace the fact that I'm a ginger and like... I don't, like, you know, I'm amazing. I'm the best witch out there. Like there's so many, you know, Luna Lovegood can just do her whole Nargle expedition. But that's what I love is that you see them take that and then they grow themselves as the most amazing individuals. And there are strengths in the quirks and there are strengths yes. in what, there are strengths in the things that originally they saw as negative in themselves or they yep. saw as negative in each other. Like- yep. Devil's heart saves the day. Mm-hmm. Luna's ability to not be liked saves the day. Mm-hmm. Ron being insecure and terrified has saved the day a hundred thousand times. Yep. And also Hermione being like, hey, all of you are idiot assholes and you need to shut up. She's the, and listen she's the to Jiminy me. Cricket. She's right? Like, she is. She's like, she's the bitchy Jiminy Cricket yeah. of it all. She's like, mm-hmm. No. She's like, she's Mama Weasley personified. <laughs> oh, not my daughter, you bitch. <laughs> Best line ever. I just want to just hold Molly Weasley in my heart forever. Right. Mm, mm. Love that woman. But I think you're right. I think, you know, without Dumbledore's army, right? And the ability to gather not just one, two people around you, like a whole freaking chunk multi-ages, multi-rages, yeah. and 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 multi-houses. Yes. As someone who is very prejudiced against Slytherin, I, historically, and I'm sorry, Slytherins, I'm sorry, I'm trying, I'm trying. But, you know, it's that, it's that melding of the best in everybody mm-hmm. around the common goal, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that that is so critical and And I think also like with patience and expectation Mm -hmm. having people around you as well to be like yeah Annie it's been five minutes calm down you know like every time I hit the MailChimp button right little monkey paw goes down I have an aneurysm I could really use a McGonagall being like really could you take a breath right Ooh. right Breathe. like it's it's a process like everything else and it's a step by step and even back to your point of like you know being prejudiced against Slytherin if, if you think about it this way Harry Potter was either going to be Slytherin or Gryffindor because we have a mixture of all the houses we just happen to be predominantly stronger in one or two areas that are defined by that house so you can't really be prejudice it's either the fact that it is and i'm i'm, I'm gonna say oh, jealousy. i can right. oh i can oh 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 i can 
Like to the point where if I ever run into poor, poor Tom Felton on the street, I will be mean to that child before I realize that I'm being mean to that child. And I feel awful about that. I feel just freaking terrible. But if I ran into Tom Felton on the street, I'd be like, Malfoy! (laughs) Like, I just, I can't help it. But there are also people... This is a whole other episode. There are also people who think that I myself may be a self-loathing Slytherin, but we're not going to talk about that. That was, yo, I love that you cut me off because that's kind of where I was about to go before you're like, no, 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 no. So we'll just, we'll put a pin in that and we'll, we'll have another episode about that later. I'm taking my green glasses off. I'm really glad this is. was like, <laughs> your glasses are very Slytherin, by the way. <laughs> damn it. Damn it. I'm this golden I'm green over myself. there. <laughs> How do you know that you're gathering the right people into your Dumbledore's army? I think one of the biggest telltale signs is when they challenge you and love you at the same time. Because mm. it's very easy to get to surround yourself with yes people. Like, oh, that's a great idea. Oh, you're a genius. Oh, I'm so proud of you. And you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. But then you have no action steps, no other ways to think. Like it doesn't help you continue to evolve or be creative, right? You're just like, you're, you're the shit and it doesn't stink and you're going to keep on moving. And I love, I mean, I have a really great circle personally, personally and professionally, but those ones that like are the combination of the two, I love that I can just like voxer them the weirdest shit about business. And they will come back to me and they'll just be like, all right, let's, let's go there. And they will tell me their opinion of it. And we're not talking to each other to convince each other. We're not talking to each other to like find a solution. It's that relationship where I can just be like, this is my process. And this is what I'm thinking. And they're like, all right, well, I see this. Have you thought about that? Oh, no, I haven't. Thank you so much. And that's what it means to have a truly collaborative and compassionate collective. Let's just be alliterative as fuck. Hell yes. Alliterative as fuck. Yeah. Is like I love alliteration. Put that on my put that on my tombstone. (laughs) Hashtag alliterative as fuck. You know, and we can't we can't talk about Harry Potter and and building your network without talking about the importance of mentors. Mm-hmm. But I I realize also as I age as a person and as a business mm-hmm. that I always thought that mentors had to be elders, mm-hmm. right? That the people that went before, and there's still a lot of value in that. Mm-hmm. But like you were talking about you know, with previous mentors or coaches that you've worked with, and I know also with mine, there is that idea of, all right, this person is older and therefore knows a lot more than me. And therefore, if they outvote me, then I have to go where they want me to go. And and I really struggled with that for the longest time because I had a very famous mentor who took interest in me and he proceeded to tell me everything he wanted for me, which was the exact opposite of everything I actually wanted. Mm-hmm. And because he was established and famous and very attractive, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, ooh, I do want that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it cost me years, 
years. And I'm not dogging on mentors, but I'm saying like while we're looking yeah. at stuff, I think it's important that we that we have those people that aren't just yes men, but also yeah. who understand that it is your company yes. and it is your dream and it is your process and your method and that they are so welcome to share in that and help guide that. But at the end of the day, if they're going to try to shout you down, they're not helping. Mm-hmm. Amen. And I always think that comes with, you know, the term coach. I don't even like that term. And I am one. Like, because everybody has this weird context around it. And it's never, to me, the correct one. So when I tell people how I quote unquote coach, which is exactly what you said, is that this is your business. I've been in the entrepreneurial world for over a decade. And I have strengths in areas that I love that I will give to you, but I'm giving them to you to help amplify what you want to create. So if you're going to come to me and be like, Mel, give me your system of process and your 10 steps to success and I'll just follow them step by step. I will say, I am not your gal. Like I don't work that way. I work intuitively. I work with you and I work, I work for you. And it's, I, I'm not here to have copycats of Mel running around because Let's just face it, the universe couldn't handle that. And it's not fair to anybody. I think it would be really fun. But you're right. It wouldn't be very fair. No. Mm-mm. Yeah, no. I would. I, I just thought you're like a world full of Mel's. I was like, ooh, fun. <laughs> but that was my first thought. But no, I understand your point. I I see that point. Yeah, yeah, I do. So, so going back to, okay. have, yeah, go ahead. Go no, ahead. I was going to say, so, so kind of, you know, going back to the ageism, I guess you could say of mentors or like what people think mentors are to me, a mentor is somebody who can give you the guidance, the compassion and the accountability to create what you want to create. And they are not the end all be all. They are not. So saying this as a word of warning to those who are looking for mentors, do not go looking for a mentor because you think they're just going to show you the light and you're going to be exactly what they are. You need to use them and look for someone who will give you guidance and accountability and that challenging love. But at the end of the day, it is up to you to take that and put it into action and create what you want to create. It is nobody's responsibility except for yours. You know, I love that and that idea of like the kind of the danger of hero worship or, you know, mm-hmm. guruing or whatever. Um, because you and I had talked in our pre-chat before this episode about J.K. Rowling mm-hmm. and about how what she is doing as a trans-exclusive radical feminist and a proud one mm-hmm. um, is very damaging. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard for the fandom. Mm-hmm. And as super fan to super fan, we did just want to take one second in this episode to say that although we are both diehard Ravenclaws and proud of it, we do not condone, we do not support the damage that JK has done to the trans community and that we are proudly Harry Potter lovers, Mm -hmm. but that she is a hero who really let us down and Mm -hmm. she is a mentor in our lives Mm -hmm. who really let us down. But uh, so we just wanted to take a little moment to do that. But now we'll go back into the fun stuff. (laughs) We'll go back into the fun stuff. But we did just want to take a minute to uh, acknowledge that a a star has fallen in our world. And the thing is, too, it's that uh, it's another great lesson of nobody is the hero that we make them out to be. And 
you know, at the end of the day, it's her beliefs, it's her opinions. And the fact that we can take what she has given us in regards to Harry Potter and the lessons that we've learned in the last 25 years, however old it is, Lord. Wow, we're old. Right? We won't even talk about that. <laughs> but the fact that we can say, okay, she gave us this gift. We are going to take this gift and we are now going to internalize it and use it for how we see fit for the good of this world and our beliefs and our values and our morals. And she's done. Her part's That's done. It. And she do, she do hoo and we'll do us. Yeah. And the big, the big vision, the big picture and the community yes. lives on. Yes, exactly. So I got to ask you this question because you're a coach who doesn't use the word coach. I'm a coach who doesn't use the word coach. And I, I like to have some positive examples, but because we talked about how flawed all of these characters are. Mm-hmm. Mel, in your opinion, which Hogwarts student would make the worst life coach? <laughs> well, Malfoy, of course. <laughs> Yay! Vindication! Take that drink out, you jerk. You <laughs> Yeah, and, and again, it goes, because if you see that, right, it's very mirrored in those mentors that just make you want to take a shower after you've heard their infomercial, because it is very, like, I'm the best and come be the best with me and we're pure bloods and everybody else sucks and fuck you and la la la. Like it's I can totally see it though, that handshake at the very beginning. Oh, do you see him walking in with like the lasers and the fog machine and like his big portfolio picture of him hanging behind him? He would have like a Tony Robbins thing going on. Totally. Oh, completely. Oh, like, totally. his waltzes in. And he would never give you any actual steps to be better except just be like him. Yeah. No. And that would be, yeah. And then he would use his his case studies would be Crab and Goyle. <laughs> <laughs> Look at these two slobs. Their life was a mess. And then they became my best friend. And right. now their life is slightly really less are. messy. And they married us. Voldemort loves us. We are the chosen children of Voldemort. Now it sounded culty. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm sorry, Tom Felton, but Draco Malfoy would be an unbelievably bad life coach. But you are an incredible coach in many areas. Mel, how do my listeners find you? What's the best way for them to start a conversation with you? Best way, honestly, is to stalk me on Instagram. I am on their Instagram stories. You'll see me first thing in the morning. You'll, and I, I'm like this. This is how I am on my Instagram stories. So if you really want to get to know me better as soon as possible, follow me on Instagram. It's Mel underscore McSherry. Um, and the next best way, if you want to have virtual coffee with me, which I love having virtual coffee with people, pop on my website, melmcsherry.com, schedule some time with me and I just love getting to know amazing people like yourself and we can nerd out, do whatever. But yeah, those would be the top two ways. I absolutely freaking love that. It has been a pure delight having you here on behalf of House Ravenclaw, the only one worth being in. (laughs) Everybody, I will be back in just a couple of minutes with my couple of minutes. No, couple of seconds with my final thought and your homework for the week. Well, hey there, listeners. 
I fully expected to start this final thought encouraging everyone to go out and find their own Dumbledores and McGonagall's and Snape's, even Hagrid's. But that's not what's coming up for me today. In fact, it's kind of eating at me a little. Instead, I've been looking at the members of Dumbledore's army, the bravest and strongest student force in Hogwarts history, and it sort of just looks like a collection of misfit toys. My beloved Luna with her wacky glasses, Weasley after Gingery Weasley, even Harry, the chosen one, was pretty tough to be around back then. But their quirks did not matter as much as their mission did, their common goal, their mutual dream. So today, I'm wondering one of my very favorite questions. Who are your competitors neglecting? Who are the potential clients that just don't meet the Draco Malfoy standard of high-ticket, high-profile wizards? Even if your brand is intentionally designed to be exclusive or your niche is super specific, I guarantee there are people within your avatar and at your price point who do not feel welcome in your competitor's atmosphere. Just look at what JK has done to her own fan base. Where will those readers go now? Your homework today is to reach out and support a subset of your audience that you have never really truly focused on before. Who are they? What aren't they being told? How aren't they being inspired, led, supported? Because when you find your Nevilles, you not only find a client that will adore you, you just might find a hero in hiding, just waiting for the chance to truly Finally, be safe and seen. Too Legitimate to Quit is brought to you by the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy and me, your host, Annie P. Ruggles. If you struggle to sell because you don't know how to put a price on all that goodness in you and you don't like the way that your competitors do it, I have great news for you. You can find my free challenge, Making Selling Easy Without Getting Sleazy, anytime at www.com anniepruggles.com slash easy, not sleazy. Our show is edited and produced by Andrew Sims of Hypable. Our fabulous theme tune is by Riley Horbacio, who I found on Fiverr. Our gorgeous podcast art is by Francois Vigneault, who I found on Upwork. And our marketing team is led by the unbelievably life-saving Nick Bonitatibus. Don't forget to check today's show notes for more information about our fabulous guests, plus some continuing resources and some Etsy finds from other super fans of today's topic. All pop culture elements mentioned in this episode remain the sole intellectual property of their respective owners. I do not own them, so please don't sue me.